Is there anybody here today that's looking for satisfaction? You wonder if it's possible to have satisfaction in the midst of this world that we live in. All of the challenges, all of the ups and downs, all of the, just the day-to-day struggle, like we talked about with spiritual warfare, it's a struggle to live for the Lord, and just the stresses of life. Is it possible to be satisfied, to be content in the midst of life, the life that we live each and every day? And I'm here to tell you today that it is possible. And we're going to talk about exactly how that's possible this morning. We're going to talk about the cup of satisfaction. And we see that cup illustrated perfectly, or not illustrated, but communicated to us perfectly in Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 and 6. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 16. We're going to look at what David tells us in Psalm chapter 16, verses 5 and 6. He tells us about this cup of satisfaction. And in verse 5, beginning in verse 5, he tells us, I'm going to read from the New King James this morning. Verse 5, Lord, you are the portion and my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. So he describes the Lord as a cup. What does it mean to describe the Lord as a cup? Now, can you think of anything really that's more common than a cup? Is there anybody anywhere in the world that would not know where a cup is? Think about in your home. In your home alone, how many cups do you have? Well, I actually counted the number of coffee cups that I have. I'm the only coffee drinker in my house, except when I let Timmy drink coffee, but you know, we have to space that out. But he, but nobody else drinks coffee in my house on a regular basis. I have 23 coffee cups in my house. I like coffee cups. When we go on a trip, everybody buys their souvenir. Mine is usually a coffee cup. I like coffee cups. I just, and there are certain ones that I like more than others. I brought my two favorites this morning so that you could see. One of them is my UAB cup, because that's my alma mater. That's where I graduated, my undergrad. The other is the most recent Disney cup that I bought when we went to Disney World last year. But they're good cups. You know, a good cup has to have the right size handle, right? If it's too small, you're trying to fold your fingers in there. But, you know, these are just right. I like them. They're just the right size. Um, They are my favorite cups. But cups are common. Every household in America has plenty of cups. And so when David says, the Lord is my cup, what's he doing here? Well, he's doing what we see done countless times in the Bible. Jesus does it time and time again. He's taking one of the most common things that you could ever think of, even in biblical times, the most common thing, everybody would know what a cup is, and he's taking that common thing and he's using it to teach an eternal principle. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, this eternal principle, what it means to say that the Lord is my cup. Jesus does it all the time. He, takes, he says, I am light, I am water, I am bread. He takes those common everyday things that we're all familiar with, and he uses them to teach an eternal principle. Over the next three weeks today, we're beginning a three-week series. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about some cups in the Bible. Today we're talking, starting with the cup of satisfaction. The Lord can satisfy my soul. Next week we're going to talk about the cup of service, what that means. The final week we're going to talk about the cup of sacrifice and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as we talk about the cup of sacrifice. But today, the cup of satisfaction. We're talking about satisfaction. That's an incredible word. 
Because there are people all over the world today who are searching in their hearts for satisfaction. And they're looking in a lot of different places. If I just had this possession, if I had this thing, whatever that is, I would be satisfied. If I could find the right person, if I just had this relationship, if I could find a husband or a wife, or if I had some some friends that were closer, I would be satisfied. Or if I could have this experience, if I could go on this trip or have some experience, I would be satisfied. But the problem is, you try all of those things, and when those things are done, you're left with the same emptiness you had before you tried those things or before you found that person. Just like these cups, even the best, eventually the ice is gone. It's empty. It's temporary. And no matter where we look for satisfaction, if it's not to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be left with the same emptiness we had when we started. You know, the the reason is, is because true satisfaction doesn't come from outside. True satisfaction comes from the Lord, who the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us when we trust Christ. And that's an important principle. Great follow-up, not a part of this series, but great follow-up to last week. Zacchaeus looked, he had everything a man could want in that day and time. Wealth, influence, but he was empty, and he knew he was empty. That's why he climbed that tree to look for Jesus, because he learned a principle that you and I need to to come to terms with, that we need to learn today if we haven't already, and that principle is this. Satisfaction in your soul only comes through knowing Jesus as your Savior and then living for his purpose and his glory. If you want satisfaction, that's how you find it. Not in anything physical, not in some sort of experience. And I want you to hear me this morning. As a Christian, living the Christian life, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I've got a lot of growing to do. I've got room to grow and a long way to go. So in terms of becoming like Christ, I'm not satisfied. But hear me, as a Christian with Jesus, living with Christ, I am 100% satisfied in who I am in Jesus Christ. 100% satisfied because my satisfaction isn't dependent upon circumstances. It's dependent upon Christ who is above those circumstances. That's the only way we find satisfaction. And when we look at Psalm chapter 16, the verses that we just read, David is saying, listen, I've been around. I've experienced some things. And I want to tell you how faithful my God is. I want to tell you how good God is to provide for my needs. I have experienced him in many ways, and he has always blessed me and taken care of me, and I am satisfied in my soul. Here's the interesting thing about Psalm 16. The physical place that David is in is not a satisfying place. Do you know where David is in Psalm chapter 16? He is in a cold, dark cave, hiding, running for his life. Hiding. In a cold, dark cave, yet we read, he's satisfied. The Lord maintains my lot. The Lord is my cup. He's satisfied in a place that we wouldn't tie to satisfaction. And that is because his satisfaction is not dependent upon his circumstances. The truth that we need to keep in mind throughout this entire message is this. Because of Jesus, our worldly situation does not determine our spiritual satisfaction. Because of Christ, Christ makes the difference. Our worldly situation doesn't determine our spiritual satisfaction. And you may have come to this building today and you are in a cold, dark place. We talked about this some last week. You may be in a cold, dark cave of your own. But I want you to learn from David's words. I want us all to glean from David's words the truth that our physical situation does not have to influence 
our satisfaction, our spiritual satisfaction. Are you searching for satisfaction? Well, in Jesus, he loves you. And today, if you're looking, you can find satisfaction in him today. We're going to look at verses 5 and 6. And from these verses, we're going to take four realities, four things. We're going to take these two verses, divide them up into four chunks. And we're going to learn four things that will help us be satisfied regardless of what life brings. We're going to learn these truths that will impact our lives. If we will take these truths, we don't always apply them, but if we will apply these truths to our lives, they will change the way we look at life. They will change the places we look for satisfaction. They will help us find true contentment in Christ. The significance and satisfaction that we're looking for, you can't find it in a possession. You can't find it in a relationship, in an experience. You can find it in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to divide these two verses up. The first reality is this. The cup of satisfaction represents the generous provision or comes in it the generous provision of God. The generous provision of God. That's happening. And that's the beginning of verse 5. Look at the beginning of verse 5 again. David says, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Portion and cup. The Lord is my portion and my cup. What does it mean to say that the Lord is my cup? Well, let me, let me explain to you this way. The first church I ever pastored, there was a lady, there was a family in that church, they were named the Hansons. We still keep in touch with them from time to time. But Eloise Hanson was your typical American grandma. She could cook like nobody's business. I'm going to tell you right now, the best food I've probably ever put in my life, I might not say this if my mom were here, but the best food, and listen, Mandy would agree, the kids that remember them would agree. She, I mean, she was just the best cook. The food, you went to her house, you were going to get a good meal. And here's the thing. Typical, my grandmother was the same way. When you would eat at her house, you would eat for a little while, and she would come around with whatever seconds she had and ask you if you wanted more. Before you could say no, she would plop down whatever <laughs> serving that was on your plate. You didn't have a choice. Your plate was always full. And being in the South, your tea glass, sweet tea, your tea glass was always overflowing. If you got low, she'd come around, she'd fill it up. So eating dinner at the Hansons, your plate was always full and your cup was always full. That's the analogy here. David is drawing on the king's feast. Now, David's not a king yet. He's, he's running from the king, King Saul, and he's in a cold, dark cave, but he has served in the castle, and, the, and he served with the king. He knows what a king's feast is. In a king's feast, your plate was always full, your cup was always full. If you were invited to a king's feast as the guest of honor, you would be seated in the seat of honor, and just like at the Hansons, the food was the best that it could be, the, the drink was the best it could be, and as you were eating, if your plate got empty, they would pile more on. If your cup got empty, they would fill it up over and over and over again. You never had to worry about getting full at the king's feast. Plate always full, cup always overflowing. So that you see what David's doing here. He's saying that regardless of the circumstances in my life, I am full in Christ. I am full in the Lord. And again, you know, this is pre-New Testament, but the same faith that David had as, as the, the God would provide salvation is the same faith that saves us. And he had faith that God, the Lord, would always fill his life. That he would always, he would never be in need. And what we're talking about here in, in taking the, the, the king's feast and comparing it, what we're talking about, David is saying, and for all believers, for us today, this is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for life. 
Life is full and satisfied in the Lord. He just, he keeps piling it on. Our cups overflow. He keeps blessing. He keeps providing. Life is full and satisfied in the Lord. I mean, think about our past. We have been free from sin. Jesus' death, his blood shed on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, we're free, our present. He provides for our needs. We have meaning and purpose in life as we're on mission for him. He provides for our need in his time and in his way, but he provides for our needs in a way that only he can. Our future, we're talking about a king's feast. All of us who have trusted in Christ, we have a feast. Revelation talks about the marriage supper of the lamb. We have a feast waiting for us. And you talk about a full plate and a full cup. Nothing in earth compares, on earth compares to the fullness and, the, and the, the, the eternality of the king's feast in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. One day we'll all experience that. All of this, past, present, and future, we have everything that we need in Christ. Our cups overflow. We are in need of nothing. The emptiest is, emptiness is gone. That's what David's saying. He's saying, the Lord is my cup. The emptiness is gone. Doesn't matter where I'm at. The Lord fills me up. Daily, he is my portion and my cup. My cup overflows. And this is important. The reason David could say I'm satisfied, the reason is because, don't miss this step, the reason is because not only is the Lord his satisfaction, the Lord is also his salvation. And it's something we need to learn. The cup of satisfaction only comes if the Lord is your salvation. If you've taken a drink from the cup of salvation... Some of you here today are searching for satisfaction and you can't find it because you haven't taken a drink of the cup of salvation. You have to have salvation before you can find true satisfaction because true satisfaction only comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. David knew that. He knew that salvation, he said, the Lord is my cup. He had testified. We look at that word my, we see it twice. It's not the Lord is a cup. It's not the Lord is the cup. The Lord is my cup. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. David had a relationship with the Lord. And because of that relationship, a real relationship with God, he He tastes the cup of salvation. Psalm 116, verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation, he says, and call upon the name of the Lord. It's a choice. We have to make a choice to accept Christ. But here's the good news. Jesus drank the bitter cup of your sins on the cross so that we could take the blessed cup of salvation, his salvation. We have to choose to accept, but we have that choice because of what Jesus did on the cross, what he did for us. God's salvation for us when we were sinners, when we were totally lost, we could not do it ourselves. We could not save ourselves. We could not rescue ourselves from sin. So Jesus became man, the perfect man, God. He was fully God, fully man. He suffered. He died on the cross. He was buried, but he was raised from the dead. And for all who put their faith and trust in him, they can taste the cup of salvation. And once you've tasted the cup of salvation, you can taste the cup of satisfaction. Now I want to put it this way. These two cups, we're going to put two cups together. All right. Psalm 16 is not the most common Psalm in the Bible. If I were to ask you, what's the most common Psalm in the Bible? What would you say? 23rd Psalm. If you've ever been to a funeral, it's been quoted. You've heard it quoted. And while you look at the 23rd Psalm, verse four, verses four and five are probably the most common verses. Verse 4 says, Even when I go through the darkest valley or the valley of of the shadow of death, 
I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, we quote this at funerals. It's really talking about dark valleys of life, right? Difficult times where David is right now. But it certainly applies to death because there is no greater, darker valley than the valley of death, right? And as a believer, you go through the shadow of death. But in verse 4, we're talking about deep, dark valleys in life. We're talking about death. But then look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me. Sound familiar? A table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my what? My cup overflows. We've heard that before from the same person. The idea is the same here. What we're getting here, this table, it's what we just talked about. It's the king's feast, the marriage supper of the lamb. That's what we have as believers, even in the presence of our enemies. God prepares a table. We are secure in his salvation. Our cups overflow. It's the same cup. It's the same analogy. When you look at verse 4, you've got death. You've got darkness. You've got valleys. In verse 5, you've got a cup in heaven. Salvation. Only Jesus, in one verse, can go from death to a cup, a marriage supper in heaven. Only Christ can do that. That's because it's Jesus that makes all the difference. You want satisfaction first, you have to take a sip from the cup of salvation. So do you have a seat at the king's table this morning? Are you securing your salvation? Man, what a, what a great way to start a service, right? Five people passed through the waters of baptism, professing their faith in Christ. They all now have a seat at the king's table. Do you have a seat at the king's table? I've got a picture here of one of the oldest cups known to man. This cup... Was, was retrieved from the burial pit of Queen Puabi from the ancient city of Ur, which is modern-day Iraq. And it was uncovered during an excavation by an archaeologist named Leonard Woolley between 1922 and 1934. It's from 2600 B.C. And it's called, it's, it's what we know, the, the oldest cup known to man, that's it. It's made of gold, solid gold. Here's why it was in that burial pit. Are you, are you listening? They buried this queen with this cup because they were afraid she might get thirsty in the afterlife. Don't bury me with a cup. Because I'm here to tell you, when I die, I'm going to drink from a cup, but it won't be made of that kind of material. It will be a cup at the king's table at the marriage supper of the lamb, and I, I will sip of that cup, and I will taste satisfaction for the rest for all of eternity. And if you know Jesus... You can take a sip too. You can be satisfied in the Lord. You can say like David, the Lord is my portion and my cup. I have all that I need wherever I am, even in this cold, dark cave. I have everything I need in my life and in eternity. That's one. There's three more. I'm going to try to go quickly. The cup of satisfaction. In the cup of satisfaction, we learn that our destiny is God's doing. This cold, dark cave, David is sharing why he can rejoice. He can rejoice while he's satisfied, and that's because his destiny is in God's hands. It's not in his circumstances or what Saul can do, King Saul. It's in God's hands. You maintain my lot, verse 5, the last part of verse 5. You maintain my lot. What does this mean? Well, David, he's thinking back to when he was a shepherd boy. When he was a younger boy, he was a shepherd boy. And he's thinking about when the nation of Israel, they decided that God wasn't a good enough king for them, and so they decided, like the other nations around them, they needed a king. 
And so God, even though he knew, he told them this is not going to be good for you, he gave them the king they wanted. Saul was their king. But even though he gave them what he wanted, what they wanted, God was going to have a king of his choosing. So the prophet Samuel, God sends him to David's house. All of David's big husky brothers, muscular brothers line up. Samuel looks at all of them. God says, these aren't the guys. And so Samuel looks at David's dad and says, is there anybody else? And David's dad's like, yeah, there's this little scrawny teenager tending sheep. That's my son, but surely that can't be it. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's the idea. And so Samuel says, no, no, bring him to me. Because verse we always quote, God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And he knew David's heart, a man after God's own heart. And so Saul pulls, uh, Samuel pours oil on David's head, and David is anointed as the next king of Israel. David's thinking about all of this in this deep, dark cave, God's plan for his life. David goes out after that. He slays Philistines, and then people begin to say, David has killed, they sing, they chant, David's killed tens of thousands, Saul's killed thousands, and Saul becomes jealous. He, He knows David's a threat to him. He probably knows what's coming. And so what does Saul do? He sets out to take David out of the picture. He's going to have him killed. So now David's running for his life. So what happened to the dream? What happened to all on your head? You're the next king of Israel. One minute you're the next king of Israel. The next minute you're hiding out in the cave running for your life. So what happened? Well, that still hadn't changed. And David knew that hadn't changed. Just because his circumstances had not changed. Because David could say, still say, the Lord maintains my lot. David had trusted the Lord time and time again. The Lord had always been faithful. David could say, and that's a truth for David, for every believer. Our difficult circumstances do not change our destiny. Our difficult circumstances don't change our destiny. And that's why in that deep, cold, dark cave, David could still say, God said I was going to be the next king. I have to be alive to be the next king. He trusted. The Lord maintained his destiny. That cave was not David's last lot in life. God had a plan for him. And I'm here to tell you, even if death is the immediate circumstance you face, that's not your last lot in life if you belong to Christ. You have eternity to look forward to. David knew he had tasted the cup of salvation. He was tasting the cup of satisfaction because God, he was God's. His life was in God's hands and God was going to take care of him. And even if he did die, he knew he was taken care of for all of eternity. Because of Jesus, I am safe in life. And because of Jesus, I am safe in death. The Lord maintains my lot. I am satisfied because the Lord supports my life. I have peace. I have comfort. I have contentment. I have assurance because God maintains my life. He holds my life in his hands. I'm, you know, the, the situation, David, he's in a confusing situation, right? I'm supposed to be the next king. Now I'm running for my life. It's a little bit confusing. It doesn't really all fit together in terms of my ability to put the pieces together, but I trust the Lord. I'm in a confusing situation right now. My job's in jeopardy. My marriage is in trouble, whatever the case may be. But I know that God supports my life. He's got a plan for me. I may not know what that plan is, but I know he's got a plan for me. Jeremiah 29, 11, plans to prosper, not to harm, not materially, but spiritually. He's going to provide. I'm going to be wealthy if I trust in him, spiritually speaking. 
He's got an eternal plan for me, maintaining an eternal perspective, all of those things. David's saying, yeah, it's tough right now, but the Lord maintains my lot. He's got it. God's got this. I can trust him. Even in a cold, dark cave, I can trust him. Whatever you're going through right now, your temporary circumstances do not change your eternal destiny in Christ. Jesus, if he's your savior, he's got it. He maintains your life. Difficulties can get deep though, can't they? It can be confusing. It can be tough. It can, circumstances can be, be difficult. We can begin to doubt God. We can begin to doubt our salvation. But in the midst of that, we have to focus not on our difficulties. That's when you get, get in trouble. Don't focus on the difficulties. Focus on your Savior. Focus on Jesus. That's what David's doing. God controls our destiny. You know, I have an app for my phone. I have a lot of apps for my phone, but one of my apps for my phone, uh, we use it with the kids sometimes. One of them, uh, I, I noticed Timmy was using his last night. It makes like serenity sounds, right? Mostly it's like rain and, and things like that. Uh, we've got one that, that makes the sound. Some people like the sound of a fan, different types of fans. But most of those, remember there used to be CDs you could buy, the Serenity CDs while you were sleeping. You could play these things and they would, it'd, be, it'd be calming. It would give you peace. Well, I'm thankful that my peace, my satisfaction is not from some fake rain. It comes from the God who makes it rain. God provides. The Lord maintains my lot. It's not dependent upon circumstances, not some fake app. And listen, that's great. It's nice if you like that sort of thing. But my peace is not dependent upon temporary circumstances. My temporary circumstances do not determine my eternal destiny. Number three, look at verse six, two more. The cup of satisfaction. Within it comes the truth that believers, the reality that believers dwell in a spiritual pleasant place. Spiritual is key. Not physical always, but spiritual Verse 6, he says, David says, the lines to me have fallen in pleasant places. Let me tell you what he's talking about here. He's going back to Joshua chapters 13 through 17. When the nation of Israel finally entered the promised land, here's what God did. He gave each Israelite a portion of land, a section of land, a chunk of land, except for the Levites, their portion was in the temple. And so imagine, put yourself in those shoes for a moment. You're one of the Israelites. You've been waiting. Your family's been waiting for the promised land for years and years and years. You finally get there. God gives you your portion. You're standing in your portion, however big it is. And you can say, imagine the joy. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm inside of God's lines. I'm inside of his will. That's what David's talking about. For you and me, as believers... There is satisfaction, hear me, satisfaction inside of God's lines. Not outside of God's lines, but inside of his lines. So what are his lines? His lines are this word, his will as it's found in his word. So if you want satisfaction in life, you have to know Christ, salvation, but then there's more to it than that. Yeah, you, you can know Jesus and still not be satisfied because if you are living outside of God's boundary lines for your life, outside of his will as it's shown to you in his word, then you're not going to have satisfaction. You're going to be discontent. You're going to be upset. You're going to experience pain and grief and suffering. 
Satisfaction is found in Christ and inside of his boundary lines. David is drawing on this picture to teach us that we need to be inside of God's will, which we learn in his word. But thankfully, God gives us his presence, the Holy Spirit, to empower us. If we will submit to him, if we will trust in him, if we will follow his instruction for our life, he empowers us to do that too, then we can find satisfaction inside of God's boundary lines. So whenever we're in the will of God, even if our situation is around us is difficult, we can still have satisfaction if we know we're inside God's boundary lines. That's why David, he's in this cave. It is not physically a pleasant place to be. It is a difficult place to be. But David has satisfaction. He has pleasantness in his soul, joy in his soul, because even though his physical circumstances aren't good, he knows he's inside God's boundary lines. He is right where God wants him to be right now. He is inside the will of God, so he has satisfaction. And there are a lot of people out there today, maybe you even today are here, And you don't have satisfaction. Now listen, circumstances sometimes are beyond our control. But some people here today do not have satisfaction. And there are a lot of Christians out there today who don't have satisfaction because they are intentionally living outside of God's boundary lines. I'm going to compromise. I'm going to do one thing here at church. I'm going to go to church, do the Jesus thing. And then when I get in my, my job or school or whatever, I'm going to compromise because I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to experience persecution or I like it. It's pleasurable, whatever it is. They're adding to God's boundary lines or a word for sin, a common word for sin is trespass. That means to cross the line. There are a lot of people who are mad at God today. They're frustrated with the church. They're frustrated with their lives. Not everybody, but some people because it's their own fault. They've stepped over the boundary line. They've trespassed. And they've tried to do things that they know God says not to do. And their lives are miserable. They're not satisfied. They're miserable. And the reason, it's their own fault. We've got to step inside God's boundary lines. His will, His way, as it's defined in His Word. You will not find satisfaction outside of those lines. You won't. You'll find misery, heartache. Some of you have. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Hey, I've been there. I'm going to tell you right now, I've lived outside the boundary lines. I don't want to be outside the boundary lines anymore. I've experienced the heartache that comes with that. I want for me, my wife, my family, I want them to experience the joy that David's talking about. You maintain my lot. I want to live inside your boundary lines, just like those Israelites, the nation of Israel and the promised land. If you're outside of the boundary lines this morning, it's not all bad news because there's grace. Aren't you glad that, and listen, I just told you, I've been there before. Aren't you glad that when we make a mistake or we live for a while outside the boundary lines, if we come to Jesus with repentance, I'm turning from my sin, I'm turning to you. That's what repentance is. I'm truly sorry for my sins. I don't want to live outside your boundary lines anymore. Will you forgive me? Will you accept my forgiveness? Aren't you thankful that Jesus in grace and mercy will take you and place you right back inside his boundary lines if you're willing to repent? That's grace. God loves you and he wants you to experience his best, not the best that you've created in your mind, but his best. But that's only found in his will inside his boundary lines. God's will, nothing more, nothing less. There's one more at the end of verse six, the cup of satisfaction. We have an an inheritance of heaven and God himself, an inheritance of heaven. Look at the last part of verse six. I have a good inheritance. David says, I have a good inheritance. 
I have an inheritance to look forward to. That, that word in verse 5, or that word is the same word in verse 5, that word good. It means delightful. It means beautiful. Inheritance is not something that's, that's earned or deserved. It's something that's given to you. It's a gift that's given to you. It's like grace. It's a gift that's given to you. And David, he's in this dark cave. And one of the reasons he can have satisfaction is because he knows that cave is not his last lot in life. He's got an inheritance to look forward to. A while back, I was on a web page that was the, the name of the web page, inheritancefunding.org. And on this web page, it's probably changed now, but on this web page, there was a list of nine people that were in line on a list to inherit not millions of dollars, but billions and billions of dollars. The people that were on the list to inherit the most money of anybody else in America. Maybe even worldwide, I can't remember. Not millions, but billions and billions of dollars. Now, how many people do you think look at that list and say, man, I sure wish that my name was on that list? I mean, honestly. Well, I say temptation, maybe for a fleeting moment, yeah, when I was looking at that list, but, but I say no way. Because those billions and billions of dollars, as good as they are, just like the ice and the Ozark or the Yeti, those are temporary. My name's not on a list to inherit billions of dollars, not even millions of dollars, but my name is on another list. My name's on a list called the Lamb's Book of Life. And that inheritance, let me tell you, it's not temporary. That inheritance, the king's table, the marriage supper of the lamb, the cup of salvation, the cup of satisfaction for all of eternity, that's an inheritance. That's the same inheritance that David is talking about. I've got an inheritance, and it's not this cold, dark cave. It's not even to be the king of Israel, ultimately. That's part of your plan, God, but my inheritance is in heaven. My inheritance is in Christ. The riches of His glory that He so freely shares with His children. Perfection in heaven. No more sin, no more suffering, no more pain. Only Jesus, His presence, His glory for all of eternity. Spiritually, if you're in Christ today, I don't care how much paper you've got in the bank, today, if you are in Christ, you are not a poor person. And let me read for you Ephesians 3.8. Paul says, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. He's the least, but the, the unfathomable, the, to preach to the Gentiles, what he's already experienced, the unfathom, unfathomable riches of Christ. And even... If you're on that list of nine, those riches are temporary. They're going to be gone. Billions and billions of dollars. Our inheritance, Paul's inheritance, David's inheritance, your inheritance if you're in Christ is spiritual. It's not physical and temporary. It's spiritual and eternal. That's why 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 5 say this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, we don't deserve it. We're not getting what we deserve. We're getting what we don't deserve. Mercy and grace. Because of his mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. Temporary, physical, fades away. Spiritual, eternal, never fades away. That's our inheritance. And it's reserved in heaven for you, for me, for all of us who belong to Christ. Who are protected not by physical strength. Why David could have satisfaction in a physically uncomfortable place were protected by the power of God 
through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. We're protected by that. Remember, it all starts with the cup of salvation. If we know Christ, we can have satisfaction and we can also know and be confident in our eternal inheritance. I have an inheritance in heaven, but more than that, the, heaven, the riches of heaven are great. More than that, I have an inheritance of him, of God himself. I have Jesus, the Holy Spirit living within me. One day I will be in the presence of Almighty God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the Lord who maintains my lot. I will see him face to face. That is an inheritance worth looking forward to. David's saying, I, listen, my life's pretty tough right now. Not a good place. Don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Running for my life. Cold, dark cave. But I've got an inheritance. God's got a plan, and it doesn't end in this cold, dark cave. Whatever cave you're in today, God's plan is not for that, your life to end in that cold, dark cave. He sent his son to die for you so that you could be free from sin, so that you could experience the cup of salvation, take a drink just like the rest of us. Man, it's a good drink, too. An eternal, eternally satisfying drink of salvation. God's got a plan. He maintains our lot. We have an inheritance. Life can be hard, but the Lord, in the Lord, our souls can be saved and satisfied. We've looked at four areas. How we can be forever full in Christ, that produces satisfaction. We've looked at how... God holds our life in his hands. That produces satisfaction. We've learned how that if we live inside his lines by his power, we can experience meaning and purpose and satisfaction. God provides for our needs inside those lines. And we've learned that we have an inheritance to look forward to. What an amazing reason to be satisfied. Rejoice. Realize this morning that, that, that things in this earth are temporary, but Jesus is everything. There's joy and salvation. There's satisfaction in a relationship with Christ. The cave was real for David. The cave for you probably is real today, whatever you're experiencing. Even, the, even those of us in the best of circumstances, we've got situations, we've got things that cause stress. Those things are real. Those things are, 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 are things that have to be dealt with. But that's not the final lot for you if you are in Christ. Heaven is real too. And Jesus is real and his promises are true and he's faithful and he can be trusted. We can trust in him. The Lord is my cup. It's never empty. It's always overflowing. The circumstances I'm in don't, don't, don't have any effect on the fullness of my cup because God fills, the Lord fills my cup. He is my cup, never empty, forever full. I told you I love coffee. I do love coffee. I drink it in the morning. I don't drink it much in the afternoon um, just because, you know, if I did, I'd probably never stop. But I love coffee. Every now and then I'll have a cup in the afternoon. And I've learned in my life, at least in some restaurants, if you eat breakfast in a restaurant, if you want coffee, you leave your cup sitting up. If you don't, I think it was this way on the cruise ship when you're, you know, you got your meal going and, and if you don't, you turn it upside down. And that tells the waitress or the waiter, don't want coffee. Don't, don't pour coffee. If you want it, you turn your cup up. Now, Here's the truth for all of us who are in Christ, all right? Spiritually speaking, the cup of your life, not your salvation, not your destiny, not any of that, but the cup of your life in terms of being empty and full is in your hands. God's allow, God allows that. It's your choice. This is a choice. In terms of salvation, whether or not you're saved or not, it's a choice. So, so here's my question this morning. This morning, here today, if you're lost, if you don't know Christ, or if you're a believer 
and you're, you're, not in, you're not satisfied in life, is your life like this or is it like this? Is it turned up saying, Lord, fill me up? If I'm lost, save me. Lord, I don't know all there is to know about salvation, but I know I need you. Come into my life, save me, set me free. Fill me up, your will, your way. This is what I want, fill my life. Or is it like this? Lord, I'm going to come to church today because, you know, it's Sunday. It's what it's time to do. But when I get to work or I get to school or I get about my life this week, I'm going to do life my way. I'm going to live with a foot on both across the border, both lines, both worlds. I'm going to do what I need to do to go through the religious ritual of church on Sunday. But then when I get out in the real world, this is the real world. I'm going to live life my way. Wouldn't it be great if you, along with those five we saw this morning, turned your cup up today and said, Lord, fill me up. I guarantee you, guarantee you that if you turn your cup up to the Lord today, he will fill you. And you will be filled with satisfaction and joy that you would never, can never find anywhere else on this temporary earth. The cup of satisfaction. No cave can stop that cry. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your salvation that you provide through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for giving your life. None of us deserved it. It's by grace, through faith, none of us deserve what you've given us. From day to day, the blessings of knowing you, none of us deserve those blessings. But you, in your grace and your mercy, have offered us eternal life. And beyond that, you've offered us an inheritance in heaven, an inheritance of of riches and glory, but most of all, an inheritance of you. And you've promised to provide. As long as we live life inside your boundary lines, you will provide for our needs from day to day. Lord, I pray there, there are three types of people in this room today, Lord. There are either those who are living in the satisfaction that you provide that comes from salvation. There are those who, who haven't experienced salvation. They're not satisfied in their lives and they don't know how to find it. Or those, there are those who know you, but they're trying to live life outside your boundary lines and they are not satisfied. They're not trusting you from day to day. Maybe even the circumstances, it wasn't their own doing. They didn't intentionally step outside your boundary lines, but they're not trusting you in the midst of the circumstances they're facing. And Lord, we know they're hard and they're difficult. And it's hard to trust you, but we have to. Because just like David, in those circumstances, if we will live in your boundary lines, if we will trust you, if we will submit to you, we can find satisfaction in you. Lord, I pray that that wherever we are in this room, that we would continue to trust you. If we are satisfied, we would keep drawing on that. If there are people here today who don't know you, Salvation is only found through you, Jesus. Your death, your burial, your resurrection, and my willingness to accept that gift of salvation, to recognize my need for forgiveness, and to ask you to come into my life to take over, to forgive me of my sins. For those who are having difficulty in living in the boundaries, trusting you, Lord, I pray that this time of commitment would be a time of rededication for them that we would commit anew to live for you, to trust in you by your power and your strength to live in your will, your way. Lord, whatever it is that you're calling us to do, I pray that we would respond in a way that pleases you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?